my sins have been cast in the depths of the sea, down deep in the sea. So deep they shall never be brought against me, down deep in the sea. Down, 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 down in the depths of the sea, the sins of the past are all gone at last, down in the depths of the sea, my soul is rejoicing. My sins are all gone down deep in the sea. I praise the dear Lord who has cast every one down deep in the sea. Down, 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 down in the depths of the sea. The sins of the past are all gone at last, down in the depths of the sea. From sin's condemnation I am now released, down deep in the sea. And all of the dread of the past is now ceased down deep in the sea. Down, 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 down in the depths of the sea. The sins of the past are all gone at last, down in the depths of the I love singing that song. I, I enjoy the the content of that song, man. Thank God our sins are gone. Amen. I, I mean, listen, you understand that when we got forgiveness, it was forgiveness of all past, present, and future sin. And thank God that uh, those things are cast into the depths of the sea, that the Lord doesn't remember them anymore, and I'm thankful for that. Well, take your Bibles this evening. Turn, if you would, Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11 this evening. Again, want to thank you for your hospitality and for the nice room and uh, the uh, goodies that were given to us. We appreciate that so much. And I, I pray that uh, we uh, were a help this morning and will be this evening. And, uh, and again, please, folks, we... we we need your prayers. I do not say that lightly. I don't say that flippantly. We, we cannot honestly do the work that God's called us to do without you folks praying for us. We've got to have God's help. Listen, it, there, there are times, and I've shared with uh, the preacher and his wife some of the places that we have been uh, in the last few months, and uh, uh, there are some times that uh, we are in some... Uh, Trying circumstances, and uh, so uh, we we just need God's wisdom. We need His help. Uh, there, there's times that man pastors are so discouraged. And listen, our, our I said it this morning. I say it again this evening. Our nation is, is in a mess, and, and we we've got to have revival. We really do. I, I'm convinced that if we do not have revival in our nation, we're doomed, and that that. We're already seeing God's judgment on our nation. Uh, and I, I mean, as a nation, when you stop and look, uh, we, we have lost all uh, political influence that we had. 
man, nations used to look upon us with respect and with fear. Uh, they used to look upon us as a nation that was uh, there to help. Now they look on us as uh, 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 a nation to be mocked and to, with disdain. And uh, man, all of that is because we have lost God's favor in our nation. And uh, the the president said it a few years back: we are not a Christian nation anymore. We are a secular nation, and that is a sad thing. Though you and I, as the people of God, want to see our nation be a Christian nation, there's no doubt when you when you begin to promote the homosexual agenda, like what's going on, the uh, the the thing with uh, all all the uh, uh, restroom laws and all that kind of stuff. It, it, it just the the abortions the man just the 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 money that is poured into gambling and the, to the liquor crowd the drug crowd it, it is it is sad folks that our nation is in the trouble that she's in and, and be honest our our political system is uh, man it, it's out of control it, it really is our our government's out of control and they. They are convinced, at least the, the liberals are convinced, that they ought to be taking your kids and raising your kids, that they know better how to raise your kids than you do. And, and that doesn't even make sense. The things that are taught, though you and I have to help fund public schools, we cannot support what's taught in the public schools. The, the brainwashing that's going on there. The, well, they have such a hatred of God at the schoolhouse. They've kicked him out. Then they scratch their heads while they have problems down there. And it, it's not amazing to us. We, I, I think we see clearly, man, you, you can't kick God out of somewhere and then expect His blessings. It doesn't work like that. So uh, we're just asking you, please, as you think about us, uh, we put some new prayer cards out there in the, the track rack. If you would, get one of those. Put it up on the refrigerator or hang it on the bathroom mirror somewhere that you frequent often. And, uh, and when you see that, you remember to pray for us, please, if you would. All right? All right. Acts chapter 11. Let's stand in honor of reading God's Word. Acts chapter 11. I'm going to start reading in verse 19. Read down through verse 26. If you have that, say amen, wave at me, do something, let me know you're there. Alright? Everybody got it? Alright, here we go. The Bible says, if you have a living Bible, this is what it will say. Now they which were scattered... Now listen, there's only one living Bible. Amen? That's the King James. Isn't that right? Oh, boy, I heard all of a sudden there's kind of a gasp, Brother Tommy's looking. What's he doing up there, man? He thought, man, I'm fixing to have to fire the guy right here on the spot. Oh, amen. I believe there's only one living Bible. Amen. It's called the King James Bible. Amen. Only one that has the breath of God on it. Listen, don't ever change that. Don't let anybody ever come in and change that here. Amen. Now, they which were scattered abroad, Went upon uh, abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia and uh, Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things uh, came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad, and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he is a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarshish for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And look at this statement. Then the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And I want to preach on this tonight. What is 
Christian living. What is Christian living? Let's pray and ask God for His help. Father, please, now as we come before You, Lord, we need Your help. God, I, all I can do is declare my dependence upon You. Lord, I need You, and I need the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, as I preach tonight, I, I want to preach with the uh, help of the Holy Spirit of God, with Your power. Lord, with uh, You directing my thoughts and my mind. God, that You'd give Your people hearing ears. Lord, uh, 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 the, no doubt the hour that we're in, God, there is a need for Christians in this nation. Lord, there's many believers. Not everybody's living as a Christian. God, I pray that You'd help me tonight. Lord, use me. God, please, that You'd meet with us in a real way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And you can be seated. You know, as we look around our nation, you stop and think about it. I, I, I'm convinced, I really am, that because of the shape that our nation's in, there are people that are looking for real Christians. I, I mean, listen, when you stop and, and you begin to look at, at families, uh, people like the Menezes, the trouble they're in, having to go to divorce court and everything. <laughs> Sad, sad. Uh, I wouldn't have requested prayer for that. But really, you you stop and you look at our nation. The, the there's a lot of folks that are hurting, and they're they're looking for something that's real. The government, obviously says they're the answer to that. Uh, and they try to uh, convince folks that, you know, you just, well, if you've got a problem, there's two things that the government believes will solve problems. Number one is education. Number two is money. They figure if they can educate you and throw money at it, that somehow that's going to solve all your problems. And I say that money and education are not going to solve anybody's problems, at least not the kind of education that they're trying to uh, uh, give us today. That's not going to solve anything. In fact, it's just making things worse. And people, though they have problems, they are hurting, many of them are looking for something that will heal that hurt and that will fill that void. I believe that God put in a person's heart an emptiness that without God, that, that thing stays empty, and, and they're going to grope in darkness throughout their life until they find the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can fill that emptiness and that void, that hunger for something that, that they do not understand. They don't even realize what's there and what they're looking for. But you and I as the people of God, we have fulfilled that hunger, that desire when we accepted Christ as our Savior. We understand what will fill that void. We understand what will uh, uh, heal that hurt that is there. And yet they're blinded to it. Too many times as Christians, oh, this we get mad at the lost crowd. And we look at them as the enemy. Folks, the, the lost crowd's not our enemy. Remember when you were lost and you didn't understand the things of God? Sure, there was times maybe that I, I know there were times in my life when, when I would say some hurtful things to Christians, though I grew up in a Christian home. I did not get saved till I was 23 years old. Man, there were preachers that I had mocked and ridiculed and cursed and fellows that I worked with out there at the steel mill. Man, it said some things to them that, that, that were so unkind and, and so ungodly. 
And yet I noticed there was two fellows in particular, one named Richard and the other named Jasper, that it didn't matter what I said to them, these guys still just act like they're my friends. I didn't ever get that. I thought they're as dumb as a box of rocks. I mean, I don't like them. I want them to stay away from me. I don't want anything to do with them. But those guys that act like I was their friend. Now, I didn't ever get it. And I, I to be honest, I, I didn't have any kind of... Uh, I wasn't looking for anything spiritual. I, I, man, I was, I was enjoying life when I got saved as much as a lost man can. I was, I was 23 years old. I was working in a steel mill, making really good money for a, a 23-year-old young man back in the uh, uh, early 80s. I was uh, late 70s, I guess. I'd started working out there. Man, I was making great money, and you forgive me, I was lost. Uh, I was one of the 60s, 70s hippies that, you know, had long hair and drove one of those chopper motorcycles. I dealt drugs, and, man, uh, embarrassed and ashamed to say it, but, man, took advantage of people and that kind of thing. And had all the money I wanted. I, I, when I got saved, I owned five different cars and and just had what I wanted, did what I wanted, and didn't care about people. But on September the 14th, 1981, the Holy Spirit of God showed up at my apartment. I'm so glad he showed up. I'll never forget that morning. Well, I woke up under conviction. Knew I was headed for hell. I knew what was going on in my heart. I'd grown up in church. I knew immediately what I needed to do. I'd heard the gospel many times. I knew I needed to get saved. I knew that morning is 6.30 on a Monday morning. I knew where my dad was. My dad was sitting at the kitchen counter. He's reading his Bible and praying. Before he went to work. He had done that for years. And I was under such conviction. It still brings tears to my eyes today. I, I called my dad that morning. I was crying. I, he, he couldn't understand me because I was crying. So he thought somebody had broke in my apartment and beat me up and taken all my stuff. And I was telling him, no, no, I want to get saved. I want you to pray with me. I, I, I need to get saved. And once he understood that, he said, yeah, 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 let's pray. Let's pray. So we had prayed and I trusted Christ my Savior that morning. And I knew what was right. I got up that morning, went down to the steel mill, and guys that I'd been dealing drugs to the week before, that morning I started telling them about the Lord. I remember waking Richard up. He was working graveyards. Richard was a Assembly of God fellow, but every time I turn around, this guy had somebody hemmed up in the corner. He'd have his New Testament out, and he'd just given them what for. But he had never talked to me about the Lord. Many times I'd mocked him and said things to him so unkind. I woke him up that morning. I said, Richard, you never guess what happened to me today. He said, I don't know what. I said, man, I got saved this morning. He looked at me. He said, anybody but you. 
I'm going, man, you know. He told me later, he said, he was always scared to talk to me. understand why God's grace is so sufficient. Why God would choose to save somebody like me, I don't know. I found the other preacher, Jasper. He got there that morning and I told him, I said, Jasper, I got saved this morning. I'd cursed Jasper many times, made fun of him. That morning I told him I got saved and I need to apologize to you. That guy hugged me right there in the steel mill. I thought, what is wrong with you, man? Grabbed me and hugged me. He started crying. I was crying. I'm so glad I got saved. As on Monday morning, I lived with two fellas I'd gone to school with, a fellow named Bug and a guy named Mike. Our routine was this when I'd get home in the afternoon. About 30 minutes before they did, I'd go in, begin to roll up some of those roll-your-own cigarettes, and they'd bring home the beer, and every night was spent like that. Those guys got home that evening. I didn't know what to say to them. To be honest, I was a little fearful. I was hiding in my bedroom. Heard them come home, and and I just stayed in the bedroom. I didn't. I, I knew I was going to have to take a stand. I, I I knew what was right. I grew up hearing the word of God. I knew what a Christian was supposed to be. Finally, my stomach got the better of me, and I had to go eat. So I walked out of the bedroom and went in the kitchen, and there's those little windows, you know, in between the kitchen and the uh, living room there, and Bug was sitting there in a recliner right there on the other side of the window. He took a hit off that funny cigarette, and he leaned back to hand it to me. said, I can't do that anymore. I got saved this morning. Bug fell out of the recliner laughing at me. That was my best friend. Probably like many of you, you know, when you got saved, you thought folks would be happy. Bug and Mike made fun of me. Asked me what was wrong. I told them I got saved this morning, man. I got to live for God. Wednesday night came around and man, I headed down to the house of God. Didn't nobody have to ask me. Nobody. Made a phone call. Nobody. I, I just knew I'm supposed to be down at the house of God. It's Wednesday night, church night. I got dressed and I headed down the house of God. I'd grown up under the pastor that was there. Brother Wilbur Nansley was his name. He'd known me since I was, uh, really since I was a nursery baby. Uh, we'd been at two different churches there with him and. He knew that 
as a kid coming up, I'd rebelled against my parents. I told them I'm not going back to church when I was just 16 years old. I tell folks my dad should have taken a baseball bat to me, but instead he just loved me and prayed for me. I went to church that night, and they had a dumb GA pageant. I don't know if you know what a GA pageant is, but GAs in the Southern Baptist is called Girls in Action. It's a missions group. And they do all these different missions projects, and then they give out awards at the end of the year for their missions projects. And So they're having a GA pageant. I thought, man, what? And I wanted to hear some preaching. Amen? <laughs> end of the service, I told Brother Ansley, I said, I'm mad at you. He said, what? I said, man, I wanted to hear some preaching tonight. He just laughed. In the, at the invitation time, I walked forward, and again, Brother Ansley had known me most of my life. I mean, I, I was a nursery baby when he was first our pastor, and he looked at me and he said, what do you want? Kind of abrupt and brash, you know, I'm thinking, wow. I said, preacher, I got saved this week, and I'm tired of running from God, I want to come in. Join the church. And we're standing down front there. It's a big church. I don't know, eight or nine hundred people there. And this on Wednesday night. This is what he did. He looked at me and said, Get up there and tell the folks. <laughs> I'm going, do what? <laughs> he knew me. He knew several times in my Pre-teen years, I'd kind of made a profession, but I'd never really gotten saved. I'd gone to camp a couple of times, and everybody else was going forward, and I'd go forward, and didn't really get saved. Though I remember one time David Brown asking me uh, when we'd gotten back from camp, he said, "Did you did you really get saved this week?" I said, "No, I, I didn't really get saved." So Brother Ansley knew me, and he said, "Get up there and." Tell the people. I was scared, but I got up there and said, I'm tired of running from God. I got saved Monday, and I want to come down here and begin to live for God. That's on Wednesday night. I worked Sunday mornings down there at the steel mill, so on Sunday night, I was back at church. I put my first tithe check in the offering plate that Sunday night. Hadn't missed it since. I, I, I just knew that was the right thing to do. I, I was a Christian now. I was faithful to church. I remember, man, they had Tuesday night visitation, so I'd go out to Tuesday night visitation. Anytime they had something going on, I was there. I want to kind of give that testimony because... I think people in 2016 are looking for Christians that are like that. I don't, and listen, I don't count myself different or special from anybody else. I had some training in my early years that helped me that the day that I got saved, I knew I had to live for God. I, I knew that there was, in my mind, there was not an option. I, I had lived, I remember telling God, God, I, I have lived hard for Satan. And if I can live like that for him, certainly I can live hard for you. It wasn't a few months I'd gotten laid off. I got in the bus ministry. It wasn't long. God called me into the ministry. I'd been in uh, saved for about a year and a half when I went off to Bible college. But I remember, it, it seemed like my life was different from some others. I'd watch some other folks get saved and they weren't faithful. They, they weren't 
involved. And I see that a lot today. Or folks come and they'll make a profession. And yet, there's not a real change in their life. We find Barnabas here. The, the church in Jerusalem had heard about the church in Antioch. And what was going on down there. And so they sent Barnabas. They said, listen, we want you to go down to Antioch, or go up to Antioch actually, and to see what's going on up there. We're, we're hearing reports of... People getting saved and lives changed and we want you to go up there and see what's going on. We find in verse 23, Barnabas gets to Antioch. He told the folks, he said, man, this is great what's going on. He exhorted them, he said, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. He goes and finds Saul, which is the Apostle Paul. He brings him back to Antioch. And the Bible says that they stayed there for a whole year just teaching the people. And the statement is made, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. I want us to understand this evening, when the disciples were first called Christians, it was not because they started looking at one another and calling each other Christian. It was their enemies that was mocking them. That was looking at them and saying, Oh, y'all are following that Jesus, that one that said he was the Christ. Well, y'all act just like him. We can tell y'all are his followers, aren't you? A bunch of Christians. Oh, look at the Christians go. They're mocking them, ridiculing. The word Christian actually means this, follower of Christ. Someone that you could look at their life and see the life of the one that they're following. Man, think about Galatians 2.20. Remember it says this, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Uh, Nevertheless, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Again, over in Philippians 1.21, Paul wrote this, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And you, did you hear what Paul said? Listen, for, for me to live, it's all about Jesus. And to die is better than to live here. Man, I don't know about you. I, I I have to agree with him. Amen. I don't know about. I can't wait to step on that other side. Whether it's through death, whether it's through taking up in the rapture, I don't care. I'm looking forward to when I get there. Amen. Man, what an exciting. But but for right now, our lives ought to be about Christ. Christ. So what is then? What what is it that these people in Antioch did? that made others look at them and say, Christian. What is Christian living? Let me give you just a few things and we'll be done. Number one, it's living in a manner as to bring glory to God. Living in a manner as to bring glory to God. If you would, take your Bibles, turn to First First Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. Look down to verse 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31. This is what it says. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do. That kind of covers everything, doesn't it? Look at it. Do all to the glory of God. Man, what a, what a state. Whether... What I mean, I don't know about you. I don't like the preaching right now. Whatever you eat, Amen. I don't know why the Lord had to put that in there. 
I'd have been fine without it. Amen. Yeah, somebody help me here. But he said, whatever you eat, whatever you drink. I can... This preacher gave me a Dr. Pepper this evening. Amen. I... Probably not my best drink. I remember I was, I was out fishing by the time we were there in Branson, and we got out on the lake his second day we were out. And I looked, and I left my Dr. Pepper in the truck. Oh, I almost wanted to tell the guy, look, go back to the boat ramp. i got to get my Dr. Pepper. He made fun of me the rest of the day. I didn't have, I told him, look, look, my hand is shaking. I've I got to have my Dr. Pepper. Whether therefore you eat or drink, whatsoever you do. Man, what a statement. Do all to the glory of God. I wonder how many times we stop and really think about what I'm eating, what I'm drinking, what I'm doing. Places I'm going, what I'm saying, my attitudes. Huh? My actions. You, fellas, you know how it is. Your wife can say something. She's so kind. And somehow it just sets you off. Y'all, you don't get, don't, don't back off now, fellas. Somebody say amen. Help me out. Don't, I, I, don't leave me out here by myself now. Ladies, y'all say amen. Huh? You know how we are. I mean, huh? Yeah. <laughs> cowards, cowards. I mean, you just say, they just, I don't know, it's the way they say it. I don't, and, and they do it on purpose. Amen, fellas. That's right. That's yeah. And I mean, we're just like that, man. We're out of the will of God. Amen. I mean, we, we take what they said and, Oh my! I'm I'm trying to help you, ladies. So y'all, and fellas, and wives can do the same thing. Amen. And that y'all help me now. Don't don't you sit there cowardly. Y'all say amen. Yeah, that, that, you can say something, and man, it'll just set them off. I, I, you didn't mean anything by it. We're so innocent. We didn't mean anything, honey. I don't know what you're talking about. Huh? Yeah. Amen. I'm getting some help now, amen. <laughs> you know, you remember over there in 1 Corinthians six nineteen. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have with God, and you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit. That, that word spirit there is small s, amen? It's not large s, small s. That's your mental disposition. That's your your attitude, your moods. Wonder if all that glorifies God. Remember over in Matthew chapter five, let's see. I believe it's verse I'm gonna start reading in verse fourteen. You're the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let me, let me just ask you, does the way you live get light unto all that are in the house or what they see is darkness and confusion? I'm talking about what is Christian living? Man, with, with, how many of y'all, this has happened to you? You let folks know you got saved, and man, as fast as they could, they reached in their pocket, they whipped out a spiritual magnifying glass. <laughs> and they are watching you, I mean, man, every little move you make, they got the magnifying glass on you. And isn't it amazing how the lost crowd knows how we all live? Uh, 
And they, they are watching every... Oh! 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 Smoking right there in church. Oh, that's it. Lollipop. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, thank you. If you get mad and say something out of my... They can cuss like a sailor. But all you got to do is have a bad attitude and they are on you, man, like your own phone. Right now. Oh! See, and you said you was a Christian. Oh, I knew you. I knew you was. Did I ever have that happen? Yes. Isn't that amazing? And then, and then this is what we do. Our natural reaction. Well, now, just wait a minute. Now we've blown it already. We're in the flesh now, amen? We're ready to fight. Let's not fire my Christian. on you Well, we, we really helped ourselves there. I mean, we're ready to argue over. I ain't do it, Richie. And it's, let's be honest, I don't know about you, I find it hard to guard my spirits like this. I, I want to do my best to live in this prison. I understand I'm not perfect. Somehow they don't get it. They think I'm supposed to be perfect. I, I'm trying to tell them I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. Oh, yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but what, what, how we live, the things we say. God said it down to the very things that you eat and drink. They all glorify God. When they look at Brother Manette, I wonder if that banana pudding is eaten. It's really glorifying out of my Dr. Pepper. Amen. <laughs> but let's be honest. We've got to learn to live in a manner that glorifies God. Secondly, Christian living is this. It's living in a manner as to be submitted to God and His will. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, down to verse 34, we find Jesus here. The fellows have gone, and verse 32, they went to find something to eat. Verse 32 says, But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. They're like you and me. They're thinking of that fat burger. Amen? (laughs) That's not what Jesus is talking about at all, though. He goes on to say in verse 33, Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Man, somebody run down to Hardy's for him or what? Verse 34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat, what's fulfilling to me? Look at this. Is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. To do the will of Him that sent me. And to finish His work. 
You see, even Jesus submitted to what the will of God was for His life. You understand that even in Colossians 1.18, the verse ends like this, that in all things He might have the preeminence. I, I don't like that word all right there. I, I wish, you know, somehow that... Because that sure covers a lot of territory. But it says, Christian, in all things, the Lord's to have first place. You, you understand what he's saying, man? It, whether it's on the job, whether it's in your home, uh, in your speech, with your body, whether it's, I, I mean, the decisions you make about where you live, what you do with your life as far as uh, a career or... All of that is to be determined by God. Even where you go to church is to be determined by God. I mean, it says clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that He places the members in the body uh, in particular where He wants them. It's not... You understand, it's not our option. See, we're to submit to His will. What, what does God want? What, what is it that, that God and His will are asking for my life? Man, that's what Christian living is about. Saying to Him, God, I'm going to glorify You in all that I do. Secondly, God, I'm going to submit to Your will for my life. I remember when God called me to preach. I have to be honest now. I I was not one of those guys that ran from God. I, I, I was glad God called me to preach. But then I figured out what that meant. It meant I need to go off to Bible college. Woo, wait just a minute now. I, I lied to get out of high school. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I I I had English my senior year. I was failing English. I, I knew that I had I had failed the final exam. I was doomed. I was going to have to go back to school for another year. I did not want to go to school another year. I went to my English teacher, little short lady. I don't remember her name now. Seems like it's Miss Robinson. But anyway, I went to her. She lived just lived three houses down from. This is what I told her. My parents are going through a divorce. <laughs> I was lying. <laughs> it hurt so bad. I lied to that woman straight up. She gave me a D. And I don't you boys do that. I'm serious. That's what I. So you know what God did? All four years of Bible college, I had to take English. <laughs> every semester, every semester, brother Tom, I was in some kind of dumb English class. <laughs> God got me back. <laughs> but I passed her. Amen. I And with our time, our talents, our money, what's God's will? The way we spend our money. Man, listen, I'm going to get mad at me later, all right? But we don't mind tithing too much, but God, don't go too much farther right there. Because you already got 10%, and that's just about enough. Amen or owe me one. The preacher's up here, bless God, need to give to missions. And, and Brother Scott says, Amen. Huh? Evangelists coming through, man, got to give to that. And then we got special projects, got maintenance on the church. And, and by the way, Brother Tommy likes feeding his family, Amen. <laughs> got to take care of him. And that kind of gets to digging in your pocketbook, Amen. 
God said, hey, I, 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 I want the liberty to have it all. He does. Now, let me be honest with you. He doesn't ask for it all, but He wants the liberty to have it all. He wants you to be in a position that if He says, empty your wallet, that you say, yes, sir. That's what He wants. That's what Christian living is. Too many Christians, let's be honest, this is the way they got baptized. Man, they... <laughs> Pastor said, let's try that again. Okay. God wants our lives to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Number three. Christian living is this. It's living in a manner as to have a certain standard or ethic set by God. Let me say it again. Christian living is living in a manner as to have a certain standard or ethic set by God. If you would, turn back to, uh, let's see, Romans chapter 12. Let's, let's go over there. We know the first two verses pretty good. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But now, if you would, look down to verse 9. God starts a list of things here that, I don't know about you, it pretty much messes my lifestyle up. Look, Look at it. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Well, I, I'm fair at that. You know, I... And y'all, y'all just looked at me like I'm in trouble. Like, man, don't you look at me like that. You know there's some wickedness in your life that you're hanging on to and you don't want to let it go. Amen. Huh? Don't act like that. You know there's some things on that stinking TV you've been watching that you got no business watching. Amen. Some of you on that social media stuff, that stuff will hurt you. Amen. Some of you can't even control the radio. Listening to things you got no business. Listen, I don't. If it's country and western or, or rock and roll or rap, I don't care what. It's wrong. It's sin. You teenagers, look up here at me. Listen, you cut that stuff out running around behind mom and daddy's back listening to stuff you got no business listening to. Amen. You get away from mom and daddy and you think everything's uh, going to be covered up, you better listen to me. God ain't going to let you cover it up. He ain't going to allow it. You're his child. He's going to expose it. Let's go on real quick. He said, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. I can do that with most people. There's some I just have a problem with. I'm being honest. Amen. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. There's some folks you just can't get along with. Amen. God said, cut that out. In honor, preferring one another. Now, wait a minute, God. Hold on right there. I like me first, then everybody else. Y'all don't look at me like that. You know I'm telling you the truth. Huh? We like us first. Then everybody else. God said, uh-uh, uh-uh. You prefer the other guy. He, he's better than you. Man, y'all, y'all aren't helping me here. <laughs> Not slothful in business. Uh-oh. How come you're so late to work all the time? What's that about? You stealing from the boss. Get there on the job and want to monkey around, take his tools home to your house. Getting too quiet now. Y'all better cut that out. I'll stop and preach for a little while. Huh? Christians ought to be the best and hardest workers on the job. That's Christian living. That's what he's saying here. 
fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. We could go on with the list. This is what it's about. It's saying to God, God, I want you to set the standard in my life. We don't like this, and I'm going to hit it and run. Amen. But God's real clear about our dress. We, we pretty much tried to forget that in churches nowadays. And man, somebody gets up and preaches on that. and Boy, you, you kind of crossed the line there, preacher. Better, better be careful. But wait a minute. Christian living is allowing God to set the standard. And he's clear. Ladies, the Bible, and I know this isn't popular preaching. I just preached it last Sunday, Sunday before last. I said something about this. And there was a lady, been in church for years and years. I guess she's in her 60s. She came up to me. I said, the Bible says women ought to have long hair. It's her glory. Man, you don't hear much preaching on that anymore. And she came up she said, I have never heard that. Fellas, you understand the Bible says it's a shame for you and I to have long hair. And by the way, God gave us a measuring stick. Amen? It's called a hairline. Amen? Fellas, you keep your hair above the hairline, you'll be alright with God. Ladies, you keep it below the hairline, you'll be alright with God. Amen? Isn't it amazing how God did that? By the way, He could have turned it around if He wanted to. He could have said, fellas, uh, you have the long hair. Ladies, you have short hair. That's not what he did. He, he talked about modesty and dress. Ladies, listen. You understand that your body is for your husband and him alone? You're to dress in a manner that is modest so that you are easily embarrassed. If something was to be showing that should not be showing, you should be embarrassed. It should shame you. Your your man, your body is something special and precious. It's for your husband. Every husband ought to be shouting right there saying Amen. And fellas, the same's true for you. Hey, your body's for your wife. Put some clothes on it. Amen. Because we don't want to see it. Amen. Amen. And amen. Yeah, I never have enjoyed that. But let's be honest, there's a lot of Christians, they fall short in that thing of allowing God to set the standard. We, we want to set our own standard or we'll do this too. We give in to the world's standards. Let the world set the standard. That's not Christian living. Let me move on. Number four, Christian living is... Living in a manner as to do those things taught by God. Remember back in James chapter 1? said we're to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. You see, this is the truth. That if you're not a doer, but just a hearer, you're not a follower of Christ. What right? you have to claim His name. You ever thought about that? If you're not a doer, you're just a hearer. What right do you have to claim His name? You say, man, that's, that's pretty hard, Brother Scott. We're Christian. I'm not according to this book. See, everybody wasn't called Christian. There was a lot of believers but not everybody's called Christian. See, there's something different about Christians. They're looking to glorify God. They're looking to be submitted to God and His will. Man, they're looking to say, God, what is your standard that I should meet? What's your ethics that I should live by? And then it's to say this, God... What do you have me do? What do you have me to do? 
We're in 2016. Christians have gotten pretty lazy. In fact, what we call Christianity today I'm afraid it doesn't add up to Bible. Because we want to set our own standard. How many believers do you know today that they would make this statement, well, you know, I don't really have to be at every service. We know there's a bunch of them because there's a bunch missing this evening. That they should be here. A bunch that'll tomorrow they'll get out on the job, they'll maybe say some things, do some things that does not bring glory to God. We'll even eat some things that doesn't bring glory to God. I don't like that kind of preaching. Everybody's mad at me right now. Say amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> I don't like that. I'd rather, you know, preach on smoking and drinking. Amen. That stuff's wrong. Wicked, wicked. This world is desperate for real Christians. They're tired of hypocrites. Saying, I'm a Christian, but then living opposite of that. I understand God is full of mercy. And we misdefine the word grace today. Titus said this, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us. This is what grace teaches. Denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously. Wow. Grace today is defined as just about a license to sin. In other words, I can live one way and God will just kind of wink at it. That's not Bible grace. Let's be honest, our fundamental independent Baptist churches that take a stand for the King James Bible, that take a stand for separation in living, Becoming rare. We're despised by many of our brethren. I'm sure many of you that try to uphold a Bible standard in your life have heard this term before. You've been called this a legalist. Oh, you're just a legalist. Does that mean they're illegal? <laughs> I kind of wear that term as a badge of honor. Because legalist nowadays means this. You're trying to live by a standard that God set. Don't let the world fool you and don't let the liberal Christians fool you. You're doing right by having a high standard. See, the Bible still teaches separation. It teaches sanctification. That is a progressive work of God whereby you and I grow away from sin into righteousness. We understand we'll never be perfect till we get to heaven. Amen? But there should be a process whereby we start as babes and desiring the sincere milk of the Word, grow thereby. There ought to be growth. I have to admit that many fundamental preachers expect a baby to act like a 20-year-old Christian. That's not fair. They need to be allowed time to grow. Amen? And we ought to encourage them in that growth. And as they watch us, 
they ought to desire that growth. Because they see in us the blessings of God from yielding to His will. Christians. Christians. Would you ask yourself tonight this question as the invitation is given? Am I living as a Christian? Let's stand to our feet, heads bowed, eyes closed.